Hello, this is Michael Rosso for the Film Photography Podcast, the internet radio show for folks who love to shoot with film. It's November 12th, 2010, and today is a very special episode. When Polaroid announced the end of their film manufacturing in 2008, people thought that Polaroid film would be gone forever. Photographers around the world started websites. Everyone wanted Polaroid film back. And that was the beginning of what became the Impossible Project. Today on the Film Photography Podcast, an interview with Dr. Florian Capps, founder, Impossible Project, and Dave Bias, Impossible Project USA. Without further delay, here is the Impossible Project interview. Welcome, gentlemen. Hello. Yeah, welcome. In reading the various articles in the New York Times and many other newspapers, passion really does shine through in what's going on with the Impossible Project. And that's sort of the theme for this show, which is passion as a foundation for creativity. The first question I have is, when did you first think to save Polaroid analog technology by manufacturing new film for existing cameras? First of all, uh, it's me that, you know, that have to thank you because you know without your passion and you know all the people listening to your blog and still believing in analog photography, uh, there wouldn't uh, w- there would be no impossible project. So, and. It's, it never has been an idea it's, or in a plan or a strategy to do what we are doing now. It's basically just following our instincts. And for me, it's never the question how, you know, what was the plan and what was the idea to keep it alive and restart it. Um, for me, the question was always how, how on earth could you stop it? Because it's such a unique thing and it's just such a wonderful medium uh, that actually has to be here and it has to be kept alive. Uh, so it never was a question for me. I started in 2004 and I started as a reseller and I started to uh, tell people the story and to bring analog instant photography back on the surface and the feedback from the customers and all the passion we collected, you know, that simply made it a, a no-brainer to do everything to continue this story. and. As Porwet announced the end, it was immediately clear that you know we have to do all we can to keep it alive. Not only because of the passion, but also because it was an incredible business opportunity. Polaroid, from the very first day they opened the factory to the le- very last day, they earned a lot of money with this product. This was not a product that was dead or somehow um, not not modern or not fitting into the present times. It was um, sin- it was really some of the highest potential. In- most incredible, most magic product um, available in present time. So I never had a hard time to decide, should we do it, should we not do it? It was a no-brainer. You had to do it. When did your idea actually become known as the Impossible Project? (laughs) It was funny because Polaroid, from the very beginning when we discussed, um, is there a chance to keep the factory alive? They always told me, Mr. Cups, it's impossible to produce analog instant film with these machines. You know, it's impossible what you're doing. We cannot sell you the machines because, you know, this is not true. You cannot do it. It's impossible. And I said, okay, absolute no problem. If it is impossible, then the machines must be dirt cheap. And, you know, I even call my company impossible. I understand it. All I'm asking you is to give us a chance to keep this alive. I always said, you know, it's it's like having a child. This film is your child. And now you can decide, do we kill the child? Or if we don't believe in it, do we give other people the chance to take care of it? So let us take care of it and you know, we do our best to make it happen. Personally, your passion for analog photography or film photography, uh, does this go back to you growing up? Are you a digital photographer as well? Or are you really a diehard film guy? The surprising thing is, that's a question of been asked very often. When I was a child, I decided that Polaroid is totally uncool. The reason for that was that my, my cousin got a Polaroid camera and I know that I don't have a chance to get one myself, so I decided it's totally uncool. That's nothing I, I, I want to have. So my my passion started in 2004. I worked for the Lomographic Society and I was somehow bored that you know all the analog pictures, when they uploaded, they look the same as digital pictures. It's more harder to to distinguish so I looked for the most analog material out there and I discovered Polaroid and that's the moment I fell in love because I think digital the digital age and I use digital cameras I take most of the pictures with my iPhone 
and I think that's the same for most of our customers. I think the digital age has given the analog instant photography an incredible chance. It repositioned it as the most magic material because with the digital revolution, people started missing pictures to touch. They, they even started the high price of every shot because only if you know you have to pay one or two or three US per picture, then you think about how to frame the picture, when to push the button. And it brings back this, this high value of, of the instant film. So it's, it's perfect. It's like the vinyl record. You need a digital CD to understand why this vinyl record still has this magic. Right. So when you uh, took over the factory, in Enskede, the National Post, you were quoted as describing the fact that you condensed Polaroid machinery from five buildings into one. What was the, what was the task like once you uh, got to the point where you knew this was going to happen, where you had a Polaroid factory and you were actually going to manufacture film? Was there What was the physical experience like of, of getting ready for production? The first year was, was hard because um, we just had a, a vision and we just had you know, all this experience of the people working there. We had a team of 10 people uh, that had over 600 years of experience, but still it was a vision. We, we didn't have the components needed, so we had one year time to, to reinvent basically the instant material. So the first thing we had to do, and this was important, is to downscale everything. So to really condense it into one building to bring down the costs. I mean, still this building is about you know, 4,000 square meters, it's huge, and these machines are incredibly large. So, But we say, let's reduce everything to the essence. And this is something Polaroid would never be able to do because they had 180 employees and, you know, it was large scale. So we said the only chance to reposition it and restart it is to scale it down to exactly the, the demand and the, the size of this niche market that we, that we see it. And then cut down all the costs and condensed it. We had one year to really redevelop and, and find a new new product. So that was the, the, the basic concept uh, for the beginning. How did you continue to fuel your enthusiasm as you were trying to jump over the various hurdles in getting to the point of making new film? And did you ever think that, wow, this might not happen at all? Sometimes late at night, you know, when I... <laughs> When you're tired of a busy day, you know, you sometimes have a little feeling creeping up that tells you, hey, what are you doing here, you know? This is maybe a little too, too big or too impossible for you. But the good thing is that it's not just my passion or the passion of our team. It's the passion from all the customers and people uh, all over the world that, you know, gives you the energy to continue. And we are in a lucky situation that we didn't have to start something up uh, um, from from scratch, but we also have had purchased the whole last production of the poor old traditional Polaroid film. So on an everyday basis, we sold film to the people. We communicated with people. We had a lot of press, so a lot of positive vibes from everybody that said, can we help you? Can we support you? Um, how can we make this happen? And it, it's not just our passion, and it's not about believing in somebody that nobody else believes. It's just basically since the very beginning, uh, it's an absolute wonderful experience of, of all this love and, and support from all the people out there. And also, you know, that we are talking here, this, this is simply a wonderful thing to do because we are not alone. We are, you know, only trying our best and executing to continue the production of, of something that um, many, many people um, will need and will have fun using it. Now, Dave, uh, I read online, I think I read online, that, that you were behind the Save Polaroid website. Correct. Can, I was the co-founder. Can you tell me a little bit about uh, that website and tell me, you know, where along the line did you and Doc meet and start to work as a team? We started uh, SavePolaroid.com literally about a week after we read the announcement in the Boston uh, newspaper about Polaroid ceasing production. At that point in time, we were you know, just fans and consumers, and we didn't really have any idea that it was going to happen. We had seen some Polaroid films got discontinued, but you know, I think, especially growing up in America, you know, like Polaroid is permanent. Like We just all thought it was kind of permanent. It would never go away. There was a shock from this announcement, and I teamed up with a friend of mine, Sean Tabretti, in, in uh, Minneapolis, and we started 
SavePolaroid.com is really, I think, we had a kind of parallel idea as Doc that there were plenty of people out there that still used this product. We thought it was still completely viable. Uh, we just felt like it needed a better steward, you know, uh, someone who could could handle it on the scale that it needed to be in the modern age and, and carry it forward. And so we started this campaign to try to contact people who we felt might be able to resurrect this stuff from Polaroid. And there were so many things that we didn't know about the production and, and the different factories that made the components and all these things. So we sort of naively just kind of started sending letters to Ilford and to Fuji and, and to other people. And at the same time, I, I was aware of uh, Doc's uh, existence and, and his website, Unsaleable, and I started emailing him. I felt like if there was anybody on the planet that was able and, and positioned to, to do something about this, it was maybe Doc. And after a few months of, of uh, me sending him emails pretty steadily, he, he started to email me back. There did, were, did you not get an answer at first? You started sending a lot of emails? Not at first. <laughs> no, I mean, he, he sent me a, the very first email I sent. He said a, a very nice response. Right. Basically saying that he was sad as well and, and was kind of left open-ended. Right. And then I sent a few more and, you know, I had tons of ideas and I was sending him my ideas. And, and eventually he needed to come to New York for other business. And he said, why don't we meet? We actually took the opportunity to pick him up at the airport. Terrific. And on the drive back, he's talking about, you know, this and that and this and that. And I said, okay, enough. Like, I need to know what's what's happening. And he, he gave me this little smile and he said, uh, we bought the factory. You know, this was in uh, November of, okay. of 2008. So it was, you know, a good six or seven months after the announcement. And by this point, we had been running Save Polaroid. We had really generated a, a place more than anything, where everyone who was on Flickr and Polonoid and all these different websites in the country could actually have a centralized place to get this information. And it was just a, it was a labor of love. And I think Doc re recognized this. And I think, you know, it was kind of in tune with what, what he was doing. And so when he came in November, he said, we should start working together. Uh, Ann and I started almost immediately and we worked on and off for several months and eventually Doc, you know, decided to hire us. Terrific. I was here at the uh, Pat Sansone book signing last week and I think you said to me, which is, would be similar to Doc's story, that initially you were not a Polaroid guy that only recently, when did, when did, when did it kind of hit you? Uh, you know, it, it hit me when I bought an SX-70. You know, I grew up with Polaroid <clears throat> However, my family was never uh, never owned a, a proper folding SLR SX70. We always had the the cheap plastic cameras, and I grew up, I think, like a lot of Americans, with this belief that Polaroid images weren't sharp and they, right. they were kind of throwaway. And because Polaroid was so ubiquitous in this country, you could get it everywhere. Everyone had a camera. Like Doc said, when he was younger, you know, it, it wasn't cool. Uh, for the longest time right. it just wasn't it was go to the drugstore and buy a pack and grab a camera out of the closet whenever you had a party or something it wasn't something that i think a lot of americans look to as an artistic medium i mean there were there are certainly artists that have worked in this medium for a long time but it wasn't in the popular mind it was it was just something it was a snapshot camera it wasn't until i bought an sx70 i was a, a camera collector i i really appreciate uh camera design, especially vintage camera design, and I bought an SX-70 to add to my shelf, and I just completely fell in love with it. I, I feel like, to this day, that it's one of the genius inventions of the 20th century, uh, as far as its design and, and its functionality, and it takes amazing pictures. So, my passion, it was actually in roughly 2005, 2004, okay. that I got this camera, and by 2008, I felt like I was actually finally good at using it. <laughs> um, it took me a while to figure out how to use this camera versus the other cameras that I had because the SX-70 has a certain way of thinking. Right. It was really just about the time that I got good at using it that the carpet was sort of pulled out from under me. I really, I didn't want to put my SX-70 on the shelf. You know, it was literally that simple for me. Was I didn't want to put this camera away. I didn't want it to just collect dust. I wanted to keep using it. And I figured... I'll do pretty much whatever it takes to to support whoever might have a, have a solution so that I don't have to put my camera away. Fantastic. These are some general questions, so feel free to jump in, Doc. Since the release of the first films in March 2010, 
what has the, the reaction been to the films by analog photographers? That's a good question because um, that was the, one of the biggest challenges so far that we, you know, we did the best we can. We presented our first products, but basically we, we don't have a year or two to, you know, find out about the products on our own before we, before we sell it. So from the very beginning, our films have been an invitation to the people using it and say, okay, let's find out together what it is all about. And, you know, there were a lot of good news and a lot of bad news and a lot of passion and a lot of, uh, you know, but only sometimes angry people and somehow positively surprised people. But one thing was clear that this is a product that really touches the people and that was the most important. And for us, the good thing is that we have on the one side all our customers that we know very well and that, you know, feed us back. And we have this this team in in um, in the factory that can react pretty quickly. And as this is a system that we developed from the scratch, we know all about you know the things we can adjust. And the most positive and most amazing outcome of all of that is that already now, so just about six months later, we have um, regarding the black and white, we have a, a complete new product, um, the UV Plus product, which is at least two or three steps into this, this professional direction, into a product that not only you know, fascinates the people, but that makes it easier to really have astonishing results. And this is the message that, you know, that gives us energy to continue, and also for the color that we have now the second version coming out next week. There are still a little more steps to take, but it's, it's a process. It's an ongoing process, and the people have understood that this is an invitation to be part of one of the most maybe challenging, but at the same time most interesting adventures of film history. So something like back in the days um, when Polaroid in 1948 started to develop their product, and they had the same problems and the same challenges to overcome. And this is exactly an added value nowadays as it is so special and has to be treated so different than digital photography that basically takes away all, all the challenges from the, from the people. You know, basically everything is a perfect picture no matter what you're doing. And if it doesn't turn out uh, the way you want, you just load it in Photoshop and, and you know, right. edit it. I tell people all the time, it's, it's when people first sign up to Gmail, there was a beta right. tag on Gmail for two years. People thought they might never remove it, actually. And I, I feel like what we're doing has a, a, it's a, an analogy to that. We're inviting people to, to be our beta testers and to feed us back with what they like and don't like about the product. You know, rather than disappearing for two years until everything is just perfect, uh, we actually understand that a lot of uh, the people that shoot analog film don't want perfection. They have a digital camera if they want something that's perfectly sharp and, and exposed. Something that's much more interesting is to be a beta tester, is to right. dig into it and really understand how it works and, and to be part of that process of, of building it. There aren't many opportunities, or I don't think there have been many opportunities in history for photographers to get in on a ground floor of working with a film uh, in a beta test mode. Because I always think of Kodak or Fuji or even uh, the original Polaroid. I mean, by the time the film is introduced, it is the film. It's the way it is. It delivers one type of film. It's for the masses. Uh, this is uh, quite an adventure as a photographer to be able to see the various steps. I, I see it as fantastic. And yeah, the, the good thing is uh, usually these big brands, you know, they have built a legacy and, you know, a quality combination to their name. So they they have to do it and, you know, it's it's about quality and uh, whatever. We have the big advantage that, you know, we are even called impossible. It's, you know, from... And I don't see, even see it something like a beta test because um, our first product is already a, a very honest, finished product uh, made the best we can. And... Uh, at that state, so and we need, uh, we need you know the feedback from the customers to to lift it to the to the next level. That's that's you know part of of what is uh, connected um, to our name, and uh, that's the reason why I said you know Borowet would have never been able to do something like this because you know they are they always looked at at the so-called perf perfect product. And that's another reason why I think this digital adventure was really needed in order to restart the project, because then only uh, the people started missing exactly this imperfection. It's like 
again the vinyl record um, back in the days it all drove us crazy you know this and the scratches and he said oh god please you know that's not perfect but nowadays it's exactly this these scratches and you know that you have to stand up after four songs and turn it around that makes it so adorable right again so it's it's a combination of of, of, of everything and yeah you're right it's 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 a challenge and it's you know like you know coming to this store you have to you know come up four stores to in order to find us but then when you enter it you you get the whole package that warms your heart and you know capture your all your senses and i think this is this is very important and you know that's a big pleasure and honor for us that we we can deal with all of these these things attached to it do you think it will be necessary at some point to manufacture new cameras or are there enough polaroid cameras out there in the world for sure there are not enough polaroid cameras there are 300 million out there which is by far not enough in my understanding <laughs> <laughs> the thing is the big problem or the reason for us to very very carefully and you know a lot of energy thinking about building a new instant analog instant camera is the fact that since the s670 and i completely share dave's point of view that this is the camera still making the, the best entrance into the world of, of instant photography. Since the SX-70 and folding cameras that somehow the production um, died in the, in the early 80s, it has been tried to bring back later on, but um, the strategy was to switch over to more mass market plastic cameras, that you just have one button, you click the bottom and then you get a picture and the lenses are plastic. The, it's not a good, very good quality and it's our new users, our new people getting fascinated by analog photography, they want to get control what they're doing. They want to have nice lenses, maybe interchangeable lenses. They want to have settings for aperture or, or even double exposure settings. They want you know, to have a camera that looks nice and it, that's made out of solid materials. So we try our best to, to bring back a tool that you know you can get the best out of our film materials a thing that Polaroid never took care of. And there's this old fight going on. Andre Bosman, our partner in the factory in Enskede, he always suffered because the people from the US came and said, hey guys, can you make us better film, please? You know, look at these pictures, they are not sharp. And the guys in the factory said, you know, hey guys, maybe you could produce a better camera because then, you know, that's the only way to get better pictures. Right. It's not the film. And it's a funny thing because then they hand build a, a camera, a test camera with a Schneider Kreuznach uh, lens. And the next time the US came, they said, hey, can we present? We have a new film for you. And they took pictures with this incredible hand built camera with a nice lens. And the people in the US said, wow, finally, this is amazing results. Uh, wow, what would you did? And they said, yeah, we just used a nice camera. So. <laughs> That's that's a that's a big thing. It's of course our films, uh, you know, will get better and better as we, uh, or more professional, um, so and more easy to use over time. But for sure, to to, to close this, this this circuit, I think it's it's gonna have to have a, a wonderful camera that finally enters the the final highest level of of photographic magic we can do. Right. Do you feel that Polaroid with their Alpha camera? As time progressed and we got into the 1980s, into the late 80s, do you think that the cameras started to take a dive, become cheaper, uh, more mass market cameras with plastic lenses? So, the big the big problem was that that Edwin Land, you know, this creative innovation, innovative mind behind Polaroid, had to leave in 1979 or something like that after this big. Polarvision disaster, you know this this super eight instant system. Yes. And uh, after him, you know, managers took over that, you know, looked at the numbers and they said, hey, these cameras, if we, you know, instead of the glass lens, use a plastic lens, we can save two US per camera. So and we're selling 10 million cameras a year. So ooh, that's 20 million we can save. Wow, let's do this. And you know. That's, that's the way, he, and of course it, it helps a lot to increase the numbers of cameras produced and sold. But that's back in the days, and again, 
nowadays in this digital age this product is, is repositioned the, the films are now at least double it as expensive as they have been the people take pictures with a lot more understanding and care and so they 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 use it, the needed tool that bring back you know this control and that's the reason why the sx70 camera is still one of the most uh, wanted cameras and a big big portion of our film sales are for a f for a film material that you just can use in these SX70 cameras, and you know there has not been a new SX70 camera for more than 30 years, but still everybody you know caresses it and repairs it and and searches for it in Japan. You know there there is a incredible, it's the most wanted camera out there, yeah. maybe comparable to to the rear Leica cameras, but. This is really something like that has to be brought back. Not that they, we want to copy it. I'm not a big fan of, of copy copying leg, uh, legends of of the past, like the VW Beetle or something like that. But to transfer it into a modern world and to very carefully look at the customers and to make a tool for them that they can, you know, squeeze out the best of our materials. Is there any communication or interaction between Impossible and uh, the new Polaroid and or Fujifilm at this time? Fujifilm basically when we started the, the project was one of our biggest hope to support us because they have the biggest understanding uh, in the whole technology of instant photography even if Fuji is basically uh, uh, technically speaking uh, the opposi opposite chemical process than, than Polaroid instant film. So that's the reason why Fuji will never be able to produce a film format that can be used in, in, in Polaroid cameras. We contacted them, I, I was invited to the top management in, in the Japan, but it was not too promising. With Polaroid, that's a long, long love affair. Um, with some ups and some downs. Um, the fact is that our product, no matter how we call it, you know, the people still see it and call yes. it Polaroid, Polaroid pictures. And I trained a long time to not mention Polaroid, you know, in all the interviews and and you know everything we do. But nevertheless, the heading is then Polaroid is back. It's it's a it's a crazy situation that the managers purchase the brand without the ability to produce the product that it's standing for. And yeah, we are in constant communication with them. We just met the, uh, Bobby Sager from Gordon Brothers, who is now somehow taking care of the, the new strategic, strategic position. We, we met him on Monday. And yeah, we continue to, to discuss with them. They, they wanted to bring back um, uh, a new, new version of the Polaroid 1000 camera. Yes this summer they found out that it's a little bit more complicated as they suspected it to be so i think it's going to take a little longer or i don't know if i'm not even quite sure if they're really going to make it on the other hand they just repainted a, a fuji instax camera yes. and called it polaroid which in my understanding is a little difficult because it's like filling pepsi cola into a coca-cola bottle but yeah we, we, we will wait and see. I think there are going to be some opportunities um, to, to work together. And I think we should not, we should not um, look at, at the Polar brand just because of some weird or not easy to understandable things in the, in the recent years. Right. We love, and I think Dave agrees, we love the Polar brand because it was something like the Apple brand back in the days. And right. Edwin Land is a genius. And they spend a lot of time and energy to create wonderful products uh, with a lot of love and care that changed the way people worked. And without that basic magic that has been created back in the days and you know this design and everything, uh, we would not be sitting here, that, that's right. clear. So we are... Their, their new website, Polaroid, uh, I understand that maybe there are corporate blockades and you know this is a big corporation, maybe they have ideas, but personally I feel they could use you guys because it seems like from at least looking at the website and Lady Gaga talking about you know analog photography that that the company wants to get back in and it, it, you guys almost seem like a natural because you guys have the knowledge of, of it and, and sometimes things that appear on their corporate site or on their Facebook uh, you could tell it's written by an intern who doesn't have much knowledge of analog photography and I think I think, wow, this would these guys really would work together real well. But that's being idealistic and grassroots. 
and of no, course I think this is definitely something you should discuss with them so I think maybe one of your next blogs uh, you know about passion of analog photography you should be you know with, with these guys <laughs> I'm happy to con I'm happy to connect you with them <laughs> and I'm I'm sure they will be happy to do you know be featured on your blog and discuss all of that I think you that's terrific that's terrific. I just have a, a few more questions. One is, what would the ultimate dream goal be for the Impossible Project? Where, where, where do you see it going? I think our ultimate goal is to make this, this material available, available again uh, for the whole world, for all the people you know, that want to use it. And of course, we also want to make a good business and you know, to earn a living from the product. But my dream is to combine it with a lot of projects and uh, a lot of artistic work and nice products that celebrate analog instant photography and to help keeping this alive because without the real thing, so without really color molecules and chemists changing and producing an image, I think something, something will be missing. Digital photography is a very good copy of the analog stuff, but without the original um, it would be a trouble to understand the, the digital one. So we are very happy already that we at least gave it a chance and I'm very optimistic that we continue uh, the story uh, and you know that both of, both of these um, worlds can live together. And for me, the instant photography has the biggest chance because it combines the advantages and the magic of the analog photography uh, with the advantages of the digital. It's it's the easiest to to access, it's the easiest to do because it's basically photography in your hands. You don't need a dark room, you don't need a lab, you don't need nothing. You just have everything in your hand and can look at the picture when it slowly you know, struggles and, and comes up and, and, and appears and you can touch it and you can change it. So this is for me the essence of analog photography and if we can make it happen that even you know, the next generations have a chance to look at that, that would be wonderful. Dave, what do you think? It, to me, it, it's, I'm just going to echo what he said. I mean, I've had just some minor experience just over the last um, six months that the, that the store here has been open where some students have, have come in, young students who, uh, who are kids 13, 14, 15 years old who've never had an analog anything. <laughs> Uh, they've had a computer all their lives. They've had a cell phone since they were six years old. They've, they've only had a digital camera. They come in here. I, I give them the little history of, of who we are and what we're doing. And I, I pass out some cameras with some film in it, and they get to take pictures of each other. And they get to experience that for the first time. Uh, what I experienced when I was eight or nine years old, this idea of a real thing that comes out of the camera and that shows you an image. It's not the back of a, uh, it's not a little screen on the back of a camera. <clears throat> you don't have to go to a computer and get online to see it. It's, it's right there in your hands. And I think the more we're connected to digitally uh, in so many different ways, I think the more necessary it is to have these things in our lives, these things that take us away from that and that give us a, a, a real reason to share with the people who are near us rather than trying to just share with a bunch of people who are also connected on the computer. It's about that connection and it's about this idea of something tangible in your hands. Um, and uh, yeah, to, to me that's, uh, we've already achieved that goal. We've, we've kept it alive and, and we're giving new people a chance to experience this thing that, that was the reason we got into it for in the first place. And the more we can do that and, and have a good business based on it, I think that's that's perfect. I understand there's a uh, new color film being introduced in coming weeks. Can you give us just a few words about, about that? Yeah, of course. Um, we started with the color, color shade um, product line, um, I think two or three weeks ago, in a, in a first flush edition. This is traditionally the first very first packs coming out of the machine it was a very experimental material that features at least one color <laughs> so <laughs> we sold it in a, in a starter pack so you know almost at cost but we wanted to invite the people right from the start to to show what it's doing now we come with the second generation uh it's it's gonna be called push so color shade px70 push the thing is that you really have to uh, expose it to a lot of light to get, you know, to wake the colors up, so to say. We have for the first time 
really you know the three colors so we have it's the first real proof of that of uh, the fact that we have a working color system still um, we have to fight a little um, to, to control this color system so the thing the magic is you 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 know you activate color molecules they move their position and by moving uh, changing the position they create the colors and we have wonderful results on that we still have some troubles to stop them in in the right position so you have a lot of tips and tricks you will get when you buy these films but it's a little tricky to to uh, freeze this the, the 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 picture at the at the best level of quality and tends to fade a little too into the bluish sometimes right uh, so uh, that's not the final step where we want to be. We already have some some ideas how to change it, but it will take some more weeks and months. Yeah, we, we're going to make around 100,000 packs of this push film, which is a very fascinating um, material. And basically, it's our proof that we already have solved the really impossible task of, of making color film because all the experts, they said, maybe you, you have a slight chance to do black and white, but no chance for color. This is, this is, you know, simply you know, don't even try it. And we did it, and we are very proud of these these products. And I think you know, people will will really like the push. The the biggest problem at the moment, or biggest challenge, is that the films are still sensible to light when they come out of the cameras. Yes. That's um, on top of our list. Um, we have we have done some improvements. Um, over over the last months, and the good thing is, in now in the winter season, and autumn, that the light is not that aggressive. So, but we are working on that also at f full speed. But there will be a lot of more films coming, and our dream is to have one or two standard products um, aside of that to re create really some special products that you know makes it fun to do all the different right. kind of things. We even think about bringing back a positive-negative version of an integral film, something that never has been there, that would be wonderful to combine the world of, an, of a negative with a positive instant image. And there are some other ideas like infrared film and, you know, a lot of fun, I think, right. is on our way. Do you uh, encourage or discourage photographers from making some changes in something like Adobe Photoshop? Because a lot of the color curves... Uh, certainly contrast can be adjusted in such a software program. I read the Flickr uh, group blogs, and there seems to be a split group between the purists of whatever you eject from your camera, that is your pure image, and those who don't sweat it so much and they feel they can adjust, make adjustments in Photoshop. Any thoughts on that? I feel like there's so many adjustments that you can make to the film yourself physically yes um, after the fact peeling it apart uh, doing manipulations you know all these things I, I I mean as a as an analog photographer for a long time I fall in the I, I guess the purist stance I don't even like to crop my film right um, I like to get it in camera I like to you know s scan I, I scan all my film um, and I post it online but I try to do as little as possible um, to 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 change it in any way, I think you know there's there's valid reasons for doing it both ways. You know, I mean, I've seen some incredible uh, work that's done that's heavily photoshopped. It, I think it really is is Photoshop is a tool, and in an artist's hands, uh, any tool it can be used right. beautifully. I draw a line, I think, at things that try to make things look like analog. Uh, I tend to not really like that right um, but yeah. yeah it's 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 not so much about what we like and what we don't like uh, yeah. i think the important message is um we we are not you know we create a medium uh, basically it's not even a product the people turn it in the into a product by using it we create a medium and we give as much information as possible what due to our experience you can do and you know how you get the best images how to store it what you can do but basically we say you know do whatever you want you know you know everybody should be happy you know it's yeah, if you, if if suits would sell socks you know i'm not telling you if the people put it on their feet or on their ears and or if they use it as you know <laughs> putting the money in i don't care yet, yes. as long as long as they have fun doing it and it's not a fight between analog and, and digital it's just you know use it touch it feel it and and, and, and you know 
use it the way you want to use it. Right. So so that's that's basically the main main message out of that. I don't want to restrict the people in any in any right. Sure. Ultimately, fun and passion. Do you gentlemen have anything to add? Anything we didn't cover that you'd like to discuss? Once again, uh, you know, thank you everybody. You know, who think listening to us and looking at the impossible project because without you know the interest um, of the people and people still caressing their old Polaroid cameras, uh, we couldn't do what we are doing. So thank you again, and you know, we will do our best to present you um, as much product as possible right. to keep you know to keep keep you to keep the magic alive and and um, transfer it into not only the present but also the future future right dave the new york space anything exciting coming up well you know we we recently did the pat sansone uh, uh, book launch as, as you were just talking about we um, are we have a couple of things in in the works for the holiday season that uh, you'll, you'll find about soon enough. Um, we're looking towards the future of possibly doing workshops and, and other kind of learning events here. So uh, we, we have plans uh, for sure. There's nothing in stone right now. We, we have a, a lot of different ideas out there and we're trying to kind of solidify them. So there's always a good reason to stop in here though. We have film, of course. Uh, we constantly have a rotating cast of different products. And, um, and this is one of the places that you can come and, and hear our story and see examples of the film and, and talk face-to-face -face with someone who actually uses this stuff every day. So, Terrific. Terrific. Well, gentlemen, thank you very much for taking the time to chat with us and uh, our listeners worldwide. It will be fantastic maybe sometime in the future to get back together at the roundtable and uh, to see what's happening again. Yeah. Thank you very much. Thank, thank you. you. You've been listening to an interview with Florian Caps and Dave Bias from The Impossible Project. We're here back at the studio, and with me is Dwayne Polkew. Hello, everyone. And John Fidelli. Hi, how are you? This is a very appropriate time for us to give away Pat Sansone's book, 100 Polaroids, mm -hmm. that I promised to deliver with a Polaroid camera and a pack of Impossible film. But th the most exciting thing that we heard in the interview was the fact that Impossible is coming out with some new films this fall, mm -hmm. namely... Which films, plural. Yes, namely, which Dwayne has already seen. We brought it to the PDN Photo Expo, and we're showing people on the floor. Mm -hmm. I'm passing around some shots that was shot on their new Silver Shade UV Plus film. Ultraviolet Plus. It's a monochrome film, and it has really lovely tones. It's a, it's very, it's very much, classic. It's much more stable than the previous generations of film. I you, love it. It's the PX600 UV Plus that was just released. And this month, November, later in the month, Impossible is going to release a second-generation color film called PX70 Color Shade Push. PX600... UV plus. It looks almost like um, it's very, very smooth in terms of the tonality. It almost looks like a portrait that would have been taken in the 1940s of uh, Hollywood actresses. You know, it oh. has that kind of look to it. Yeah, it's very nice. Yeah, it's very classically toned. At the PDN show, I had my Polaroid Spectra camera, and I had a pack of PZ600 Silver Shade for Polaroid Spectra camera. And although it doesn't have the UV moniker on it, the image was almost, it was just as smooth, if you recall. It was a very mm. even image. So I'm pretty s stoked about this. Mm -hmm. And it's not high contrast, no way, but depending on how you light it, I used backlight. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can see that. And it came out If you used hot lights that were pretty bright and just photographed without, uh, without an on-camera flash or something, you'd get really nice results. You'd get like that Hollywood kind of look. That's what I'm seeing well, when I see it. this is hot lights. Mm -hmm. These pictures will be online in our show notes section. These images were shot with hot lights with the flash. Okay. So the flash served as a fill for the face. What is that film rated at? The film was rated at 600. 600? It's for Polaroid. And you still needed all that light? Yeah, yeah. I was pumping. Uh, I used quite a bit of light for these shots. I mean, these are studio studio shots. Mm. But um, So we're going to give away Pat's book, which we have, as you saw, John Fideli mm. here I've in the studio helped me put the entries together. Now, we're giving away a camera with that. And this camera, it's a Polaroid One-Step Express that has a built-in close-up filter. Whoa. And this was donated 
to us by FPP regular listener Emily Seville. Yay. Thank you, Emily. It's so nice of you. Emily won the Olympus Stylus Epic camera. Yes. Which we'll talk about in a future episode. My new favorite camera. Yes, John's new favorite camera. Emily sent the camera, and we're going to, as we always do, test it right now. And I am testing it with a pack of Silver Shade. This is Impossible PX600 Silver Shade First Flush. Oh. Here we go. Listen. Amazing saying comes out. Go get the black one. card. Just for ejected. life to go exactly as planned. For life to go exactly as planned. Well, that is impossible. John, hold up your black card. <laughs> it's a wonderful looking thing. This camera that we're giving away with the book is a green. It's a forest green. It's I would a, call it a moss green. You would? Yeah. Dwayne's going to shoot me. Is this yellow button the shutter? That is. Is it in close-up mode? Do it. Now it's Dwayne's turn to get shot. Just thinking I'd like some more of them tater tots. Mm-hmm. Now, John, how do you suggest we do this drawing since, by the way, the envelope with the entries for the 100 Polaroids book is packed. Dumping it into a bigger bag because there are so many entries. Ow, ow. And the winner is, uh, this is a signed edition, oh, right? Wait, there's one in the bottom. This is the Pat Sansone book. 100 Polaroids, signed by him. You gotta do mix it better than that, Johnny. I just jumbled it all up in the air. Crazy and silly like that. Come on, that's a lot. Dwayne is gonna Dwayne. pick the winner of the Pat Sansone book, 100 Polaroids. By the way, Pat's album, The Autumn with Defense, the Autumn Defense called Once Around, came out on November 2nd. Great album. And I went online, I got an email, I went online and I bought my vinyl copy. John, would you like to do this? Oh my god. <laughs> What do you got, John? And the winner is... The winner is Lauren Bagley from the University of Findlay, Findlay, Ohio. Very nice. U of F. And I'll read you the last... Sorry for making this so long. It's a long... She wrote us a very nice, long letter. Yeah, I don't even know. Maybe we it should was, read part Can of you it. extract? Let me... Let me extract. You extract. Yeah, I don't have my glasses. I know I'm cutting it a little close to the deadline for this giveaway, but I thought I would still try and send out this email to you folks. See? There, there it is. Never give up. I'm a, thank you, John. I'm a new listener to the Film Photography Podcast. I've been hearing about you guys since April or May. My boyfriend has been an avid listener of you guys for quite some time, and it was only a matter of time before I caught the FPP bug. As you got well, the fever! <laughs> as well as the Film Photography Buzz and started listening to you on a regular basis. All I can say is, wow. You guys have given me one of the best podcasts I've heard in a long time. John wanted to skip this letter. Can you believe that, Dwayne? I'm sorry. What is it wrong with you, Fidelity? It was so long and I don't have my glasses. Not <laughs> only are you insightful about cameras and keep everyone up on the latest film photography news, but you also are funny <clears throat> to boot and random enough to keep my attention span on a usually droning hour and a half like some other podcasts. Yeah. Snoopy Airplane's Pizza Randomness. Oh, wait a minute here. Could this be, could this be possible? Dwayne, listen to this. Listen to this letter. With my own own photography, I have to say, it was all Matt's fault for getting me into the more traditional world of film. <gasps> Wait a minute. It's from Ohio. Yeah. Matt, Matt is from Ohio. And Matt spells his name with one T, and it's spelled with one T here. Could she be the, the girlfriend? Of the Matt we just met? Of the Matt we just met at PDN Photo Expo? Oh, what a quandary. It's possible, right, Dwayne? It's possible. It's got to be, right? We were at, as you, you guys already know, the uh, PDN show. We interviewed a guy named Matt who came from Ohio. Yep. And we talked about his uh, 8x10 and his uh, Hasselblad. And uh, here we have a letter from a listener who just, who's won. Reference, who just won, who's referencing her boyfriend, Matt. With one T. Oh, my God. From Ohio. Oh, my God. Maybe Matt with a T, one T, is a real big thing in Ohio, though. Truth be told, Matt is the reason that I would love to hopefully land a copy of 100 Polaroids. Get that? Uh. She wants to land a copy? <laughs> Dr. Edwin Land. Polaroid Land. Land, land a copy. Land. Very witty. It's a book that not only I would enjoy, but I know Matt would enjoy it uh, incredibly. You guys are going to love it. This, land, you know, I'm ready. Uh, seriously, this is like... This got to be the same Matt. This is a sweet, sweet story. Well, we'll find out. Matt was a really nice guy. <laughs> he was one of the best interviews we did the entire day, and he was the very first one. Yeah. He had his 8x10 camera in his trunk. Mm. He had his Hasselblad <laughs> with him. He might, he might not still have it. <laughs> <laughs> he left it in the city? Yeah, he left it in the uh. trunk of his car and it parked in the city. Well, Dicey. 
Lauren, congratulations uh, on winning 100 Polaroids with Matt. a Polaroid camera that used to belong to another FPP listener, loaded with impossible film. Remember, we're monthly in November. Next week, we're back with our studio roundtable. We're back! And on the 26th, it's an interview with April Lee Hutchinson. She's a artist, photographer, model up in London, Ontario. Don't forget that Pat's album, Pat Sansone's album, with the Autumn Defense, Once Around, is available at the Kung Fu store. <laughs> really? At... At That's the name of it. Wilco. Wilco. If you go to, if you type in, if you type in, Wilco store. Roger Wilco. You will get the the, the URL. And how would you describe the album? If you're like 60s, 70s, like California psychedelic pop. Well, this is what happened when I ordered Pat's <laughs> album on vinyl. I don't have the vinyl as of this taping, but mm-hmm. I do have the the digital download. Right. So what, you bought one too, John? Yes, I did. That, I love it. That's very nice. It's terrific. Uh, and I get their other stuff, too. I've only gotten through the they album kind of fit three times. Pink, they kind of fit in the pink delicate kind of mode, right? L- I'll tell you why I love the album, because I'm not that familiar familiar with all the songs yet, but, you know, I'm doing work on my computer, and it's a, for me, at least, it's a, it's a morning album. Mm, definitely. It's a, it's a good Sunday album. Oh, lovely. So, fans of Pat, you want to pick up his new album? And I want to thank the kind folks, all of the kind folks at The Impossible Project, for having me as a guest in their uh, beautiful studio in New York City. And until next week, where the gang will be back, have a pleasant tomorrow. I've heard these tales before When they used to mean so much more Shows her happy head through it all a blue See